You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Hey, today, before I get into my message, before I get into our series, what I want to do is I want to take a moment and I want to just share a little bit about um, the next several months for our church, just kind of the future for our church and what this is going to look like. And uh, to catch everybody up to speed, I know we've talked about this on a regular basis, but obviously we're meeting here at the Global Ventures building, and this has been a huge blessing to us um, meeting here. But we also realize that um, we can't stay here forever, right? We're seeing more families come, and eventually we're going to have to continue to expand our kids' ministry and things like that. And so, uh, this has been a great kind of interim season for us. And really what God's put on our heart is to um, continue to get healthy, continue to glorify him. He's going to continue to add to our church. We're not um, focused on how can we grow our church. We're focused on glorifying Jesus. And his word says that he will add to the numbers daily, those that are being saved. And so our goal is just to continue to glorify him, do what, everything that he's put on our heart to do. And, uh, and so it's been, it's been such a refreshing season to get here, to see our team and or our church continue to grow. And uh, it, it's been awesome. And so, but during this time, one of the things we want to do is we want to take advantage of where we're at and continue to prepare ourselves for, for whatever God has next. We realize this, that um, eventually we need to put down some roots somewhere. Eventually we're going to have to have a place where uh, our name's on the front of the building or the space, whatever it might be, so that our communities know, hey, we're not going anywhere. Uh, even statistically, it shows that whenever a church gets permanent, that their uh, attendance in congregation nearly doubles in size within the first few months because the community knows, okay, I, I, you're not going to you know, pack up and get out of my life if I commit to your church. And so there's something about that, um, about getting permanent. So we're continuing to, to walk forward. But a part of this that we're, I feel like God's put on our heart for right now is we've been in this giving campaign called God's House, Our Home. And uh, we've been asking you, hey, if God puts on your heart to give towards what we call our house fund, if you go and give online, we've been putting all that money into a separate account. And it's called the house fund simply for that. It's for this house. And so that's not going towards, you know, uh, it's not going towards other organizations. It's not going towards, uh, you know, software software and things that we have to pay. It's not going towards payroll. It's literally set aside for this house and the development and the improvement of this house. And so that could be a, a down payment on a building. That could be renovations of a lease space. That could be, um, you know, uh, over a year ago, we used part of this for updating and getting a high definition camera. If you watch any of our really old videos on YouTube, uh, it takes you back to the 90s is how it looks. We had a little camcorder. That's all we could afford at the time. And uh, it was a little rough, but man, we were able, because we had some stuff set aside extra, we were able to use that for uh, this type of a purpose. And so the house fund is for this house. So it doesn't really go outside of this, but it's so that we can uh, improve in areas that we need to and get ready for our next step. And so here's what's exciting. In less than a year, we have seen $67,000 come in to our house fund in less than a year. And so that's, that's amazing and exciting. And so for a church our size to say that, that's been phenomenal. And here's what's exciting about that. Uh, there has been several different businesses and individuals that have never attended our church who have said, hey, I see 
I, you know, I see what God's doing in your church and I want to be a part. We had one individual, one uh, company hand us a check for $5,000 for our house fund. Never attended our church once, never been to a service, but just seen us from a distance and said, hey, I believe in what God's doing in your church. And so it's been amazing to see how um, our church body, but then people even outside of our church body have come together to raise $67,000. What I feel like though God's put on my heart for the remainder, these last four months of this year is I want to set kind of a lofty goal for us to get that $67,000 all the way to $100,000. In fact, if you'll put up that next slide for me. And so uh, we have basically $33,000 gap right there. And so we have like a four month gap, $33,000 that we want to bring in or see come in and give in towards this fund so that we can get ready for the next step. And so $33,000. I can sense it in the room. There's mixed emotions, right? For some people, it's like, oh my goodness, that is, I don't know how we're going to do it. That's so much. But then there's other people in the room that's just like, okay, yeah, we can do it. We have four months, let's go, right? So there's there's mixed emotions. And so I think one of the things we try to do in order to help us understand how could we get there without, you know, three people giving $10,000, that would be great. But how do we, Lord, how can we get there in a much more tangible way? And so one of the things that we've put together is what we call the big faith estimator. Okay. You can put that slide up here. So we have this graph right here. And so kind of to show you exactly what this would mean is on the left side over here, we're simply saying if one person said, Hey, I'm going to give $5,000 over the next four months, basically, Hey, I'm going to give roughly 300 bucks a week. I can afford to do that or my business can afford to do that. If two people, two other people could say, hey, I can't give 5,000, but I can give 2,500 over the next four months uh, towards this. All the way down to the very bottom, which, uh, you know, maybe a little more relatable for everybody, but if 60 people would say, hey, I can give $100 above and beyond my tithe and offering, but to the house fund, I can give $100 over the next four months, basically a cup of coffee a week. I can commit to doing that for the next four months. If this many people, which is just a little over 100 people, if this many people could commit to that, we would, in four months, get, bring in a little over $33,000. So this makes it a little more doable. And so here's, here's what I'm, I'm putting out there, and we're going to talk about this for the next several weeks, but I'm putting this out there simply because I want to encourage uh, each of us to pray about it and ask the Lord, Lord, what would you have us give towards this? And we're asking for $100,000 because uh, really what this does for us is that prepares us to get to a place where if we did have an opportunity to purchase a building or purchase uh, maybe an existing church building, um, we would have then the down payment to go ahead and make a purchase on something that we can get pre-approved for. Um, but even even still, we would have something, let's say we got into a lease space. Um, I don't know if you know this, but you can you can burn through some money pretty quick on a, pretty quick on a renovation. You know what I'm talking about? So $100,000 allows us to come in and do uh, do some, some significant renovations if needed uh, to get ready for uh, this next season. What's awesome though is even outside of what we see that's come in, uh, I've talked to, different companies. There's, there's a few uh, uh, electrician companies that have said, hey, we want to donate the majority of all of our labor uh, to wherever you go next. And so we have companies that, again, most of them don't even attend here, but they say, hey, we believe in what God's doing at Abide, and we want to be a part. Just let us know when you're ready. And so there's a lot going on behind the scenes, but here's what I'm going to ask. Uh, two quick things. I'm going to ask you biblically to do what God's put on your heart. Give what God's put on your heart and commit to give what God's put on your heart. Here's why I say that. 2 Corinthians 9, uh, verse 6 through 7, it says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, 
For God loves a cheerful giver. I want to remind us, it's not honoring or worshipful to God when we give with a bad attitude, right? Ah, Pastor Dan's twisting my arm again to get some more money out of us. Like, no, that's not, that's not it. If I give with a bad attitude, it's not honoring to God. It's not worshipful to God. Give what God's put on your heart. And when I give what God's put on my heart, it's, I can be cheerful and joyful because I'm walking in obedience to God, what he's put on my heart. The second thing is this. I would ask you to consider giving, pray about giving if your heart is for the church, it's for this church. If you're planted here, you believe in the future of this church, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so, man, if you believe in the future of this church, I would encourage you, man, pray about it. Talk to your spouse about it. Say, hey, what, where do we fall in this, this chart here? What do we feel like we could do um, in the next four months and feasibly do? And maybe it might stretch us a little bit. That's why it's the big faith estimator. I know for Leslie and I, we have talked about every week or every couple of weeks when we get paid, what we're giving above and beyond our tithe and our offering. And it's, it's a little bit of a stretch, but we say, Lord, we want to invest in the future of, of Abide. And so um, you may say, that chart's awesome. I'm not going to remember those numbers. That's okay. In the seat back in front of you, I have a, uh, a little handout right here. It's got the chart on there for you, y'all. And so on there, here's what it is. I, I would like you to take this, and maybe you already know. Maybe God's just put it on your heart right now. And you say, I already know what I feel like we're supposed to give. If not, though, I would encourage you to grab one of these. We have a bunch of them. So if you, if you clean us out, that's totally fine. Take one, take one of these home and pray about it. Talk to your spouse about it. And on here, basically, it just says it's a, it's really an action of faith where it's like, Lord, we're going to fill this out and we're going to physically drop it in the drop box as an action of faith, as if we are sowing seed into the future of abide. On there, it has the, the kind of the, the big faith estimator on there. It has where you can fill out your information. And then at the very bottom there, there's two options. It says, I will set up reoccurring giving online by myself. Or if you're like, hey, I'm not that tech savvy, but I trust you with uh, my, my card info, you can fill that out and we can set it up for you. And so we can make it super easy. There may be some of you in here, you'd say, Pastor Dan, we've are, we're already giving consistently, uh, reoccurring to the house fund. Uh, here's what I would encourage you to do. I would encourage you to talk with your spouse if you're married or if not, uh, take some time to pray about it and still fill out one of these, but you can just leave, leave the bottom blank down there if you already have it set up. Um, we want to gather some of these, and we want to, just like a physical action of faith, we want to be praying over these cards. Obviously, we're keeping all of your information secure, and we're not posting it or selling it anywhere ridiculous like that. But we want to pray over these cards as, as people choose to give and invest in the future of our church. And so even though you may already have it set up, I, I would just say, hey, do you mind just going ahead and filling this out and let us know what you already have set up if you want to leave it the same. That's fantastic. If you need to adjust it more or less, that's, that's fine too. The other thing is you may look at this chart and you may say, I, I fall somewhere in between. That's fine. These are just suggestions of how we can get to this, this goal. You may say, I fall somewhere in between, but I would say that's totally fine. You can mark that down on here. Uh, whatever God puts on your heart. And that's, my, that's our goal with all of this is that it's not, um, hey, we're up here begging and pleading for money. Now, I truly believe that God has pl placed us uh, in the buckle of the Bible Belt in Tulsa, Oklahoma for a reason. And I think if God could show us the future or what the next several years look like, I think uh, we would be uh, a little intimidated by what he's going to do through our church. And so I believe um, that we are in a crucial season, though, where, Lord, I've just been praying, Lord, let us steward this season well where we're at so we're ready to do what you're asking us to do. We don't want to be foolish with our money. We don't want to be distracted by something else. Or we want to be ready for what you have next for our church. And so with all that being said, pray about it. 
think about it. We'll talk about this continually for the next several months. There's different ways that you can give uh, right up here. The biggest thing is if you're giving towards this, just make sure that you select the house fund option online, or even if you go to the, the text to give form, there's an option right there where you can select house fund. That way it goes to the right spot. And so it goes automatically into a separate account. So we don't even have to, to, to mess with it. So think about it, pray about it. And if you do fill out one of those cards today, I would ask you as you leave, there's that big old drop box out there. You can't miss it as you walk out. Just drop it in there and then we will uh, reach out to you and confirm that we got all of your stuff and uh, we'll be good to go. I'm excited for this next season as our church. In fact, here's what I want to do. As we get into these last four months, I want to take a moment and uh, just pray. Pray over our church, pray over our giving, and uh, just pray that most importantly, God's will would be done in our church. Let me pray really quick. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you right now, and I just ask you, Lord, as we are being faithful, as we are trying our best, Lord, to steward these kingdom finances well, Lord, I pray for our church right now. I pray for Abide. Lord, I say our church, it's your church. Jesus, you are the head of the church. We are here to, to steward it and to steward the bride of Christ while you are away. And Lord, I ask you that you would give us wisdom. Lord, I ask that you would give us faith to believe for all that you want to do in our church, through this church. Lord, I pray that you would give us the faith, Lord, to invest, the faith to serve, the faith, the faith to be joined together in unity so that we can do all that you need us to do, that your will would be done in our church as it is in heaven, on, uh, on this earth as it is in heaven, in our lives as it is in heaven. And Lord, I pray that as we go home this week, as we take time, as our church family takes time to pray about what they would give, Lord, I pray that you would speak clearly. And Lord, I pray that if there are times where it might stretch us, Lord, I thank you that you would help us have the faith, the boldness, and the trust to trust you, that you are prompting us to give. And Lord, I thank you that we're going to see an amazing return. And most importantly, the fruit that we're going to see in this next season as as we commit to sowing into the kingdom is going to be abundant, that lives and marriages will be changed and saved, and Lord, people will find salvation in you, which is the most important thing. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen, amen. Hey, today we're going to continue in our teaching series called The School of the Spirit, and we're talking all about the Holy Spirit. We're talking about how he has often been misunderstood, misrepresented. Uh, there's been a lot of weird things that have been done in his name, and so we're going to school because we're going to learn who is the Holy Spirit, how does he apply or show up in our lives, how, does, how should he be at work in our church, and, um, and we're going to just find some real clarity and, um, and just a solid foundation to stand on when it comes to who the Holy Spirit is. And so each week, we're going to have a big question that we're answering. So today's big question is this, how does the Holy Spirit help me? How does he help me? Because in scripture, we often see him referred to as the helper. So how does he, what does it practically look right? Look like in, in John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the helper. Look at John 14, 16. It says, and I will pray to the father. This is Jesus talking. He says, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Another helper. Remember that we're going to come back to it. John 15 verse 26 says this, but when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the father, he's the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father. He will testify of me. And then finally, John 16, seven, these are just a few verses. He talks about the Holy Spirit a lot more in, in these three chapters, but these are just a few. John 16, seven says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. 
but if I depart, I will send him to you. Oftentimes, what do, what do we think? Man, wouldn't it just be easier if Jesus was still here, right? Like if he was still here in person, like how much simpler? Because he could clear up all of the theological messes, you know, he could just humble the, the Facebook theologians, like just like that, you know what I'm talking about? He could just bring some clarity to what, what, what's really the truth in this situation, what's really going on in the situation. But Jesus says, it's better that I go away and it's better that I would send you another helper in my place. And here's why. If Jesus was limited to this earth and being here physically still today, he would be limited to his body. He would be limited to uh, time. He would uh, be limited to how much, how many people could he actually see in a day. And if you ever wanted to spend time with Jesus, what would it take? It would take you waiting in line, uh, you know, statistically for probably over several years and you would get 30 seconds with him. Is that good? I mean, 30 seconds with Jesus will change everything. Absolutely. However, he said, I have a better way. And if it was better for Jesus to stay here physically in his body, he would still be here if it was better, right? Why? Because God is all knowing. He said, no, it's better that I go away because here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you someone who can be with you always, who you don't have to wait in a line to get 30 seconds with him. I'm going to give him to you. He's just like me. And he's going to do what I would do if I was still here physically. It's a better situation for you. And so here's what that word helper in the original language is, is this word, parakletos, parakletos. It means this, to walk alongside or to be called to one's aid. He's literally going to walk with you. That's, that's the God that we serve. He says, I'm going to give you my spirit who will walk alongside you, who's going to be there in a time of need, who's going to give you aid and help whenever you need it. And Jesus says what? He's going to do in my absence what I would do if I was physically here with you. The Holy Spirit, he's just like Jesus, but you get access to the fullness of God 24-7. You get access to the fullness of God 24-7 through the person of the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about it. How does the Holy Spirit help? We're going to talk about five ways the Holy Spirit helps me. It's super practical. And when we see that word parakletos, there's a deep um, meaning and there's so many synonyms behind that. And so what I try to do is I try to go in and find some of the, just five, there was, there's more than five, but five that we see in scripture very clearly and, um, and that we can look at today. And so the first one is this, he is a comforter. If you're taking notes, point number one is this, he is a comforter. How does the Holy Spirit help me? He is a comforter. Um, think about where you feel the most at rest. Like if you could go to a place in your mind right now, if you could close your eyes and just think about where's the, the spot, the time, um, the season where you are most relaxed, you are the most comfortable. For me, uh, you know, it's a little bit warm outside right now, so it's kind of hard to, to think about this. But for me, I think about being at home and I think about it being wintertime outside, so it's a little bit chilly, and we're at home, and you know, at our house, we have all these, these throw blankets everywhere. You know what I'm talking about? Like, they're just everywhere. They're all over the place. Some are for, for decoration. Don't touch those, but you can use this one, right? You know what I'm talking? We've got these, these blankets everywhere, and I think about it. it it's, it's cold outside, and myself and Gavin and Leslie, are, we're at home, we're on the couch, and we're covered up in one of those soft blankets, and there's a fire going in the fireplace, it's Christmas time, so all the lights are off except for the big old Christmas tree that's in the corner and it's lit up. We're watching our favorite holiday film, sipping on some hot cocoa. Come on, somebody, right? I'm ready to go. It's Christmas time. Let's do it. I think about that's where I can truly unwind and be comfortable and just be like, life's good. I'm with who matters most and we can enjoy our time together and we're comfortable. This is what the Holy Spirit wants to do for you. He wants to bring you 
peace and comfort throughout your life. Psalm 16, verses 8 through 9 says this, I know the Lord is always with me. That's the Holy Spirit. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. Other translations say he is all around me. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety. He wants to bring you comfort. No matter what job you have, no matter what situation you face, no matter how stressful life is, the Holy Spirit wants to bring you comfort and comfort, uh, comfortability and rest throughout your life so that you're never too anxious, you're never too low, you're never, no, he wants to help you stay in a form of rest where you have a clear mind to make good decisions. Number two is this, he's your counselor. How's the Holy Spirit help me? He's a counselor. <clears throat> he's a counselor, point number two. <laughs> Gavin's up here taking notes, and he was, I'm, trying, I'm going quick, okay? So you guys stay with me here. He's filling in the blanks. He's a counselor. What does a counselor do? A counselor guides you in certain areas of your life. He's going to give you guidance. A counselor, when you sit down with them, they're going to help you work through things in your past, maybe. They're going to help you work through a marriage situation or a tension that's going on at work. They're going to give you some insight and guide you through something that you're struggling with. They're a guide. That's what a counselor does. Look at John 16, verse 13. It says this, however, when he, the spirit of truth, that's the Holy Spirit, has come, he will guide you into all truth. What does a counselor do? They guide you. What does the Holy Spirit do? He guides you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority. Whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Stop there for a second. He will tell you things to come. Have you ever been stressed or anxious about the future? I don't know how I'm going to make it this year. I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know um, how this, this job situation is. I don't know how we're going to make ends meet. You ever been stressed about the future? I got good news for you. You have access and you can talk with and hear from someone who knows the future. And what does he want to do? He will tell you things to come. He wants to tell you. Now, that doesn't mean that you can set up shop and be a fortune teller, okay? That's not what I'm telling you to do. Don't do that, all right? That's what I'm talking about. But I'm saying he will give you peace for the future. He's going to give you wisdom for the future. I don't know how we're going to fix it tomorrow. I don't know, what's going to, I don't know what decision to make. The Holy Spirit's got you. He wants to reveal himself to you and reveal what will happen when you make certain decisions. He wants to. He wants to talk to you about it. But just like a counselor who gives guidance, so the Holy Spirit guides you into all truth. Here's the thing. Truth is not up for debate. Our culture says truth's up for debate, right? Like culture says, today you woke up feeling like a squirrel, so you are a squirrel today. That's not, that's not how it works, okay? hate to burst someone's bubble, but that's not how it works. If you feel like something, it doesn't mean you are something. That's not, that's not it. We are humans. I'm not a squirrel, right? And I'm a, a male, or you may be a female, whatever. Truth is not up for debate, but the world would tell us that. But here's the thing. In John 17, Jesus is praying for his disciples, and he lays out clearly what is truth. And Jesus prays, and he's praying that the Lord would set aside or, or sanctify, be set apart his disciples by truth, because they're living by truth. And in John 17, 17 says this, he's praying, this is Jesus praying to the Father. He says, sanctify them, his disciples, by your truth. What is truth? Your word is truth. Your word is truth. So there's no such thing as your truth and my truth. There's only the truth. There is only the truth. And this is, this is the foundation that we build everything from. Imagine this. Imagine you actually had to go back to school for the adults in the room. You had to go back to school and you had to do a book report, right? 
Some of you are just, you just want to throw up just thinking about that, right? So bear with me, okay? Bear with me. You, you have to go and you have to do a book report. And you got to read this book and you got to write this book report and you got to do an in-depth book report. And as you're writing it, you have to give character analysis and you got to share exactly what happened. You got to share why certain things happened in the story and all of this. But how much easier would your book report be if you sat down to write it and right next to you was the author of the book? And as you're writing the author says, well, that's actually not why that character made that decision. Here's why, because in that character, this is, this is why, and they begin to explain things to you. And maybe you haven't totally finished the book. Maybe you just kind of, you know, skimmed through it because you got to get this book report done, right? Guilty. And you're just like, I don't really know exactly what happened, but you're, you're writing this book report and the author says, hang on, that's actually not exactly how the book ends. That's not how the story ends. So let me show you, actually, this is how the story ends. How good of a job are you going to do on that book report? pretty good, right? It's the same with scripture. It's the same. When you read scripture, the author of this book is right next to you, in you, wants to speak to you. And as you're reading, you may say, I don't understand what is going on. I feel so confused about what I'm reading. You have the author. And he's a gentleman who waits at the door and he knocks. But if you want insight into scripture, I must ask him and he will come in and he will give fresh revelation to me. I have to ask the author for help. In fact, let me show you in 1 John 2, verse 27, it says this, but when you have received the Holy Spirit, or but you have received the Holy Spirit and he lives within you, so you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. You don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know, and what he teaches is true, it is not a lie. Let me tell you something. This is why if you're trying to read the Bible every day and you're not, before reading, you're not asking the Holy Spirit for help, you're probably a little confused. You're probably struggling to understand his word. But every day, this changed my life. This verse changed my life years ago in my quiet time. Whenever I got quiet and I read this verse and I said, Holy Spirit, this is God breathed. This is you authored this. Yeah, humans put pen to paper. But it is God-breathed, God authored it into existence to guide us into a closer relationship with him. And I say, Holy Spirit, help me understand your words. Help me understand why. Help me understand and see what you need me to see, not what I want to see. Help me understand what you need me to see today. And in doing so, he wants to speak to you and he wants to answer that. But many times we, we just get right into our, uh, our quiet time and reading God's word without asking the author for any help. He's right there ask him for help. And he wants to reveal himself to you. And he wants to counsel you into all truth. Number three is this. He's an intercessor. Point number three is this. He is an intercessor. Kind of a unique word, but let me break it down here. He's an intercessor. Have you ever wanted to pray, but you didn't know what to say? right? Or maybe you offered to pray for somebody or you got signed up to pray for somebody and you went to lay hands on them and you get halfway through your prayer and you're just like, I'm running out of English words here. You know, bless them, Lord. Like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, you're just forgetting things, right? The Holy Spirit wants to be an intercessor for you on your behalf. Scripture says this in Romans 8, 26. It says, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. We have weaknesses. Uh, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Groanings that cannot be uttered or, or words that cannot be uttered. That phrase, though, cannot be uttered. Here's what's interesting. In the original language, it is 
Aleletos, I think how you say it, aleletos, it means this, beyond words. With groanings that are beyond words. They're beyond words. So what's interesting is when you yield yourself to the Holy Spirit, when you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you need help praying for things that you don't know you should be praying for, that are outside your understanding. But scripture shows us that we have an intercessor who gives us a heavenly language to help us pray beyond words that are beyond our understanding. And here's what's even better. It's beyond our understanding, this heavenly language, but it's also beyond the understanding of our spiritual enemy. So you now have a secret language, a heavenly language that you can pray directly your spirit to the spirit of God, and you can directly pray the perfect will of God. Here's a great example of this. Uh, Several months ago, we had somebody in our church that was having surgery. And I told them, I said, look, we're going to be praying for you. Our prayer teams, we're we're equipped. We know when you're going in, all this stuff. We're going to be praying for you. But I said, I I need you to know, eventually we're going to run out of English words. And I said, here's the best thing we're going to do for you when you go in for surgery on this day. I said, we're going we're gonna to pray in the spirit for you. We're going to pray in the spirit for you. You want to know why? Because I don't know every detail. I don't know every detail of, of your life. And I can continue to say the same prayer over and over and over again. Or I can yield myself to the Holy Spirit and I can operate in a heavenly language and pray the perfect will of God for your situation. And I said, our prayer team is going to be praying in the spirit for you. And guess what? Things went perfectly. Because we had a team of people who said, I'm running out of English words. And so as Paul wrote, I'm going to pray in my understanding, but I'm also going to pray outside my understanding. And I'm going to say, Lord, I'm going to pray in the Spirit. Lord, would you, would you pray, Holy Spirit, help me pray the perfect will of God for this situation. Pray whatever you need to be done. And I'm going to pray in the Spirit. He is an intercessor for us. I'm going to tell you this. In a few weeks, we're going to talk. I'm going to spend a whole message just talking about our heavenly prayer language. It's not weird. It's not for show. It's not say, look at how holy I am. It's not that at all but I'm going to give you some clarity on what exactly is our heavenly prayer language, how you can use it. But I will say this, as your pastor, I, I pray in the spirit every single day. And I want to say this, I'm glad that I do for your sake, not just for mine. Because I don't know everything that goes on inside your house. I don't know everything that goes on inside your four walls. I don't know everything you faced this past week at work or with your kids or with your spouse. I don't know, but I know the one that does. And when I pray in the spirit for you on your behalf, he can pray every single detail that I will never know about. We're going to get to that in a few weeks, so uh, buckle up. You're going to want to be here for it. Number four is this. He wants to be a strengthener. He is a strengthener. How does he help us? He's a strengthener. We're going to school today. I got five points instead of three, so you guys, you guys doing okay? Doing all right? He's a strengthener. A strengthener is someone who gives strength and support to enable you to endure. Strength and support to enable you to, to endure. Ephesians 3.16, this is the Amplified, it says this, May he grant you out of the riches of his glory to be strengthened and spiritually energized with the power through his spirit. That's the Holy Spirit in your inner self and the inside of you, that you would be strengthened, you would be spiritually energized through his Holy Spirit on the inside of of you. So it doesn't matter how physically strong you are, how physically fit you are, how fast a mile you can run, right? How much weight you can lift. You need to be spiritually strengthened. I've seen some of the the strongest, most hardcore dudes crumble in this life from the stress and anxiety of this life and in this world and what their job's asking them to do. And they were physically fit, but they crumbled 
from either the stress, anxiety, from depression, from a spiritual attack on their family. But we have someone in the Holy Spirit who wants to be a strengthener for you. And here's what I mean by that. Has anybody in here ever planted a tree at your house? Anybody planted a tree before? I spent several summers uh, when I was a teenager on a landscaping crew, and I've planted a, an abundance of trees, okay? And in doing so, what I realized is the ones that we, that we supported the most had the best chance of survival. And here's what I mean. There were times where we would plant a tree, and when we did it right, what we would do is we'd plant a young tree, and we would put stakes or T-posts around this tree. You've seen this if you've ever planted a tree, or maybe you've seen it in, in somewhere else. There were stakes around it. We didn't just put one. Sometimes we would put two, but the best way that we supported it was when we put three stakes. We made a triangle around that tree, that young tree. And here's why. Then we would run wires, and the wires would go around there, and it would be nice and tight in all directions, three different directions for this young tree. We did that because it wouldn't matter at that point which direction the wind came from, which direction the storm came blowing in from. It doesn't matter that has support and something strengthening it from every side. That's the Holy Spirit. He wants to, and you get baptized in him. We'll talk about that in a few weeks as well. He wants to surround you from all sides. So it doesn't matter which direction the enemy comes blowing into your life and the storm comes rolling into your life with attacks and with all different kinds of things. It doesn't matter because you have strength from every side. That's a strengthener. That's exactly what it means. In Romans 8, 11, it says this, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. I think he's trying to get the point across. The Holy Spirit's in you. He dwells in you. He's living with you. He's with you always. Why? He wants to give life. That phrase means to be, re, to be revitalized, to be energized, or I love this one, to produce young living. To produce young living. The spirit inside of you wants to strengthen you in such a way. Do you remember when you were a kid, for the adults in the room, remember when you were a kid and you could just ride your bike and never get tired? You know, like you could, you're just outside all day, just running and doing stuff. And it's like, I'm not even sore. Like I'm not tired, nothing. Young living. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life from the inside out. Starting with your spirit, that you would be refreshed, revived, revitalized, and you would have young living from the inside out. So much so that it would affect your mood. It would affect your mental health. It would affect your spiritual and in your physical body even. That you would have renewed health. That you would have renewed energy. And that you could do everything that God's asking you to do. He wants to be your strengthener. And number five is this. He wants to be your defender. He wants to be your defender. Have you ever had someone stand up for you? Like somebody did you wrong. Somebody was, was attacking you. Somebody was wrongfully coming at you. And you had someone step in between you and them and like truly stand up for you and say, hey, this is wrong, whatever it might be. If you've had, you remember what that feels like. I'm reminded of whenever I was a kid, I was probably Gavin's age and I was out at summer camp and I have two older brothers. My middle brother, Brad, he's just a few years older than me. So we were act out at camp at the same time. And he, um, we were in the same bunk and we were in this bunk house with probably 12 to 15 total boys in there. So it got pretty rowdy. And we were getting ready to go swimming. So we're lined up in our bunk against this wall and we're getting ready to go out the door and go swimming. 
And so we have our, you know, our swim trunks on, we have our, our towels that we're taking with us. My brother Brad's a few people ahead of me and I'm standing back there kind of by myself talking with somebody else and a kid behind me comes up and he takes my towel and he takes my towel and you know, at first it's like, man, give me back my towel. We're kind of going back and forth. They're kind of, he's kind of playing, you know, keep away or whatever. It's all fun and games, but eventually, all right, bro, give me my towel back, right? Give, I need my towel and he won't do it. Eventually I'm, me and him are going back and forth. My brother Brad's a few people ahead of me and he turns around and he comes back and he pushes this, this uh, other boy against the wall. And he says, give him back his towel now. And, you know, so the guy's standing there and he gives me <laughs> my towel back. And after that, I remember how it made me feel. Two things. I remember thinking, man, somebody's got my back. I'm not alone. If I need help, somebody, somebody's got me. But I also remember thinking, now that guy knows and everybody else in this bunk knows if you mess with me, you got to mess with Brad too. And that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to come in. And when the devil and his spiritual and his, his demons are messing with you, he wants to come in and say, stop, enough. Give him back his stuff give her back her stuff. And in doing so, what is he doing? He's not just showing the devil that if you mess with one of my kids, you got to mess with me. But the devil and all of his demons, no. Hey, just a heads up. You can try to attack that family. You can try to mess with him. You can try to attack her. But just know if you do, Holy Spirit's going to come running. And you can fight that fight, but all the devil and his demons know it's gonna be a fight if I mess with his kids. Scripture says in Isaiah 59, 19, when the enemy comes in like a flood, you ever heard the phrase, when it rains, it pours? Flood. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. That phrase in the original, another way of translating would be this, the breath of the Lord will drive him back. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the breath of the Lord will drive him back. Last week we talked about who is the breath of the Lord. That's the Holy Spirit. That's almost even a better translation than spirit. He is the breath of God, the air of God, the force of God. The breath of God will drive him back. But here's what that also means. When God parted the Red Sea, it was a mighty wind, a, his breath that brought wind to part the sea. So we see a flood and we think, turn around, don't drown, right? The saying, don't go in there, flood's coming. But I wanna remind us today that our God has no rival. There's no equal that's battling him for good or evil in your life. The breath of God is this. And that from our living God is enough to push back floodwaters in your life. Meaning this, for God, it's nothing. It's so easy. One breath of God will change everything. But we think, man, the floodwaters are coming. It's gonna take a lot of help from God to push back the floodwaters. And God's saying, no, it takes this. That's how more powerful our God is than our spiritual enemy. The breath of God 
will push him back. Romans 8, 35 says this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? No. In all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We're not more than conquerors in our own ability, in my own strength, through Jesus, through him who loves us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Meaning this, in every situation, no matter how difficult, no matter how bad, you have a defender who is standing by and he's ready to step in. And because of that, we can be and we are more than conquerors through Christ, through the power of his Holy Spirit. We have a defender. Man, isn't our God good? You see, he surrounds us on every side and he says, I got you. I got you. But here's what it takes. Think about it in the natural as I'm wrapping up. What do you do if you face an emergency at your house? Someone's having a heart attack, someone's choking, someone's breaking in, what do you do? Call 911, right? If someone's breaking in, you get the gun, then you call 911 maybe, right? It's Oklahoma. (laughs) But you call 911. Medical emergency, what do I do? Call 911. Why? There are people who are standing by ready to rush to your location to help in ways that you do not have the knowledge, the skills, or the experience to do. And that's the Holy Spirit. He wants to be with you and help you when you call for help with the knowledge, with the skills, with the experience to do what you don't have the ability to do. But what does it take? I have to call 911. I have to ask the Holy Spirit to be my helper every day every day. You have a helper in the Holy Spirit. And the best thing is this, is that his response time is not seven to 10 minutes. (laughs) It's immediate. You wake up at 2 a.m., you're having a panic attack about something that's going on. Holy Spirit, help me. He'll be there. He's ready. He can go to work. You're talking with your spouse and you don't know how you're going to make ends meet because it's tight and it just feels like one thing after the next. Holy Spirit, will you help? Maybe you're a mom and you're just exhausted. You're trying to get your kids to school or get your babies taken care of. And you're just, what am I doing? What am I doing wrong? This, I just feel like I haven't, you maybe even felt you haven't showered in a year because you got poop and puke all over you because you're little kids. You can ask for help. You see, sometimes we think I only have to ask for help if it's like a crisis but I've found in my life that the times that I ask for help in the little things is often where God speaks to me the most in the everyday things. Sounds dumb, but Lord, help me. I can't find my keys. Will you help me find my keys? It seems dumb, but I promise you, he wants to be more involved in our life than we could ever give him credit for. But sometimes we fail to ask. Let's ask for his help. He's our helper. He's our comforter for peace. He's our counselor for wisdom and understanding. He's our intercessor to help us pray God's perfect will. He's our strengthener for support and strength to endure tough seasons. He's our defender for when floods come, the breath of God will drive back our enemy. So this week in your reflection questions is this, in what area of my life do I need help? Whatever area, something big, something small, start asking for help. Start asking for help. Let me pray. Heavenly Father,
We thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your spirit who dwells with us, who abides with us forever, as scripture says. And Lord, today we acknowledge that through the power of your word that we have a helper who surrounds us, who goes before us, who knows tomorrow, he knows the past, he knows everything. He's all knowing, he wants to guide us into truth. He wants to protect us, he wants to counsel us. He wants to comfort us and give us rest. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would help us remember. Holy Spirit, would you help us remember to ask, ask for help. Let us not be prideful and think that we can do all of this on our own. When you've given us the best and perfect helper in your spirit, who's standing by, ready to go to work. Holy Spirit, we ask for your help. Would you help us? Would you speak to us? Would you go to work on our behalf? We invite you in. Holy Spirit, come. Every other spirit, go. Holy Spirit, come. We want more of you in our life. We expect amazing and great things because of you and your spirit. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.